If everyone could uh, go to their bulletins or open your Bible to Isaiah 53, and we're going to start at uh, verse 7 and go to 12. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of many of my people. He, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the, the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among, among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the, the transgressions. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession with the transgressors. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Uh, this is uh, three, three Sundays on uh, this same poem uh, from the Old Testament, uh, from the scriptures, from the prophet Isaiah. And uh, this will be the last week, even though we won't cover the whole rest of the poem. And uh, the reason why we're looking at this poem is it is a prophecy written about the coming servant and a servant who will suffer and will suffer for the transgressions or for the sins of others. And, uh, and it talks about him coming into the world in that way. Um, Johnny Hart, uh, the writer of BC Comics, was a Christian. And every Christmas and Easter time, he would uh, write about uh, Christianity and Jesus Christ. And he wrote this poem. When Mary had a little lamb... Poor Joseph was shocked and awed. His only option, it seemed, was adoption. So Joseph adopted the Lamb of God. And uh, this scripture passage talks about the suffering servant who is like a sheep. If you go to the next slide, uh, Ray. This is the outline, and we are down on letter B uh, B prime or B with a space, the oppression and death of the servant in chapter 53, verses 7 through 9. If you go to the next slide. In the first part of the poem, God, the Lord, Yahweh, speaks of his servant. And it's surprising that he will be exalted uh, because uh, it seems like he's a failure. If you go to the next slide. The, servant, the prophet then describes this servant's rejection and his humble appearance. And the suffering is offensive. People look at this suffering servant and they go, oh, how ugly. We don't want to look at it. If you go to the next slide, we found out that the suffering of the servant is vicarious. It's for someone else. It's in someone else's place. He is our substitute and the suffering benefits us which is weird, but the way the poem says it, by his wounds we are healed. 
and I told you I wounded my hand and uh, raking my leaves. And after the service, somebody else told me that they uh, wounded their hand raking their leaves. And I said, maybe we could have John Hopman up here, and I could hurt his hand, and if I hurt his hand, that would heal mine. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) But the way the poetry is written, by his wounds, we are healed. And when it talks about the healing of our wounds, it's not just talking about all of the terrible things that happened to us. It's actually talking about the forgiveness of our sins and the cleansing of our sins so that now we have a life with God and we're made, we're made clean and we have eternal life. By his wounds, we are healed. That brings us to today, if you go to the next slide, verses 7 through 9, three things. Number one, the compliance of the servant the early death of the servant, and the innocence of the servant. Let's go to the next slide. Verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And uh, remind you, this is 2,700 years old. And it is poetry, so it's, it's hard sometimes to figure out. It seems weird. But Hebrew poetry rhymes ideas. So the second line somehow advances the thought of the first line, but it does it by saying it a little different way, but similar. It says the same thing a little different way, but it tries to advance the thought. So in the first line there, he was oppressed and afflicted, so somehow he's beaten and, and, he is, and he suffers some kind of injustice and he gets hit. Yet, while all this is going on, he doesn't say a word. He doesn't open his mouth, uh, which is strange. Uh, when injustice is done to me, I like to say, hey, it's not right. A couple of weeks ago, um, Christopher's not in here, so I'll pick on Christopher. A couple weeks ago, the microphone cord landed on Christopher's leg, and Christopher goes, ow, that hurts. <laughs> I don't think it really hurt him, but it landed on his leg, and he didn't like it, so he said something. That's the natural thing, right? We don't like it. We say, hey, I don't like that. Ow. The servant is oppressed and afflicted, Yet he says nothing, just takes it. And then it says this, he said he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent. Uh, Pretty ominous, a lamb being led to the slaughter, and yet the lamb goes nicely and meekly right up to the slaughter, and then you kill it. in my home, we, when I was a kid, we always had dogs. And uh, every once in a while, it was time to bathe the dog. And you would run the tub, and then you would call Ginger. Ginger knew what was going on. <laughs> Normally, that dog would come whenever you called it. But when you're running the bathwater, and you're calling it from the bathroom, the dog does not want to come. And then it, you could not get it in the tub. 
And it's like as soon as the bubbles hit it, it was like it was being killed. And it, oh, it just jumped around. Uh, I don't know. Some dogs I know like it. Uh, ours never seemed to like having a bath. What was worse was the cats. Not like a lamb, right? The lamb, you lead it right to the slaughter, and uh, it goes so gently, and you can lead it, and uh, it doesn't fight, doesn't fight back. And uh, the servant's going to be led like that. It's funny that in this same poem, we're compared to sheep. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And when we as human beings are compared to sheep, it's like the negative problems of sheep. They get lost. They need help. That's like us. We go our own way. The suffering servant is also like a sheep, but now it's different qualities of the sheep the submissiveness and the compliance. And uh, there it goes to the slaughter. Did not open its mouth. Um, three, three times in the New Testament this is referred to. And let me just read these and then I want to just to apply it. We read it last week in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says this, It's commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing good, for doing wrong, and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And then Peter quotes this poem from Isaiah. He committed no sin... No deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Or also in the book of Acts, a man from Ethiopia is reading this scripture passage. And as he's reading it in a chariot, and they're going along the road, one of the apostles, or the deacon, Philip, hears him reading this, and this is what happens. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip said. How can I, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit behind, beside him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shearer is silent, he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And he asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And Jesus, when he stood before Pilate, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Uh, what does this mean for you and for I? Uh, first of all, um, 
the reason why we believe Christianity and the reason why we believe in Jesus is, first of all, because it's true. We believe it is true. And one of the ways we see that it is true is that you have Old Testament prophecies written hundreds or thousands of years before Jesus comes into the world, and Jesus fulfills them. They're speaking about something in the future, and Jesus comes, and amazingly, Jesus' life lines up with all of these things. This is one of the most amazing prophecies, that Jesus will come, or a servant will come, who will suffer for the sins of others, and yet pay for that very sin. It's a strange idea that a human being would do that. And yet Jesus comes and the very things in this prophecy are fulfilled in his life. Now, I'm just saying this as an aside. The critic's response to that, this is how someone who doesn't want to believe in Jesus responds. So if you have prophecies and Jesus fulfills the prophecies, what answer can there be? We know these prophecies are written hundreds of years before Jesus. That's guaranteed. That's true. Everyone agrees with that. Even those who don't believe in Jesus. All of these prophecies are written before Jesus. So the only thing they can do is say, the things that happened to Jesus never happened to Jesus. The, the, the history of Jesus that we know about is not true. That's the only thing they can come up with. That's why so many will say the New Testament is not true. Or the Gospels are made up. They're made up stories about Jesus. Otherwise, you have guaranteed proof that J Jesus is who he says he is. The Bible is true. Um, the reason why we would say this is true is you have eyewitnesses, the way they're written tell you that it's by eyewitnesses, that they interview people who, ta who saw Jesus, talked to Jesus, who knew Jesus. So number one, what does this mean? The Bible's true. Jesus is who he says he is. Number two, what does this mean to you and I? Jesus is submissive to his fate and willingly accepts the plan to die on the cross. He willingly accepts it. It's not a mistake that he comes into the world and dies on the cross. He does it deliberately, and he doesn't fight against it. The difference with the sheep is the sheep do so unwittingly. The sheep, right, he's led to the slaughter. He doesn't know he's going to be killed. Jesus is led to the slaughter. He knows it's coming. And yet he's still like the sheep. Number three, the poem writer deliberately talks about a sheep because it's the animal of sacrifice. The animal of sacrifice. You had a sacrifice so that your sins could be forgiven. Jesus is our sacrifice. And number four, I hate to bring this one up. One of the most unchristlike behaviors is complaining. How many of you complain? Okay, the rest of you are liars. It's the Canadian pastime, right? Complain. Uh, complain about everything, right? You know something we had... Uh, I, I was think, just thinking about this. We, when we had G, G, G from Iraq up here on the stage and I interviewed him, one of the things I was supposed to ask him about 
was electricity rates in, uh, and, and what electricity was like in Baghdad. Because I know we like to complain about electricity. And uh, G was telling me that in Baghdad, you only get electricity for one hour a day, and it's more expensive than what you pay for here. <laughs> and so if you have a business in Baghdad, you have to run a generator to generate your own electricity, so that it's, it's, and, and the fuel is expensive, and the pollution is ridiculous. And yet we complain about our electricity. <laughs> and I know we will continue to do so. Uh, it is unchristlike to complain. He's facing injustice and he's being killed and he doesn't open his mouth. Uh, he left us an example. Uh, we are big, whiny babies. That's what I wrote in my note. Jesus was not. Here was real oppression and injustice, but he was quiet. Go to the next slide there. And uh, we're going to run out of time because I want to be done at 11.30. Notice, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. Now, by the way, that's poetry. Cut off from the land of the living. He was killed. Right? <laughs> that's what it means. He was killed. But this is a poet. He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people, he was punished. Uh, the injustice of him being killed. So unfair. And he was in his 30s. If you're over 30, you already lived longer than Jesus. It's not right. Jesus didn't even have a chance to have children. Couldn't have kids. They, they killed him too early for him to, for him to reproduce. It's not, that's not right either. He should have had a family. Like Those are the kind of things that you would expect in that culture, would be a normal part of that culture, to grow up and be a dad and have children. That was all taken away from him, cut off from the land of the living. You can't speak of his descendants because he was killed way too young. And it was by injustice. But notice, it was because of our sin. And go to the next slide. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, uh, assigned a grave with the wicked, done that way to, to humil humiliate the servant. By the way, how many crosses were there when Jesus died? Three. Two criminals and Jesus. And they did that deliberately just to say, they're all bad people. They're all terrible. Jesus is just the same as these other two common criminals. That's Jesus. And yet, buried with the rich in his death. It doesn't make sense that someone would be, would be assigned a grave with the wicked and yet buried with the rich. It's hard to figure that out. And yet he was put in a tomb. Poor people were not put in tombs. They were just put in shallow graves, and their remains have not lasted. Rich people were put in a tomb, and after a few months, someone would come and take their bones and put their bones in a little box, and then the, the family would store the little box, and so they would be taken care of for a long period of time. Uh, assigned a grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. His end is so humble, he does not even choose his own grave, and his end is so humble, he shares it with the wicked, 
And his life is so humble that surprisingly in death, he has it better than at most times in his, de- in his life as he's put in a tomb. And his end is unusual in that he was a complete innocent. A poem predicting the death of Jesus Christ for our sins so that we could be right with God. So this morning, uh, what you should do, what we all must do, is accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, ask Him to pay for our sins, to take our sins on His tree so that we could be forgiven. Johnny Hart, writing BC Comics, said it this way, Picture yourself tied to a tree, condemned of the sins of eternity. Then picture a spear parting the air, seeking your heart to end your despair. Suddenly, a knight in armor of white stands in the gap between you and its flight, and shielding his arm and shedding his armor of God for you, bears the lance that runs him through. His heart has been pierced that yours may beat, and the blood of his corpse washes your feet. Picture yourself in raiment white, cleansed by the blood of the lifeless knight, never to mourn the prince who was downed, for he is not lost. It is you who are found. Uh, Jesus Christ suffered, paid for our sins, and he took the punishment that should have been ours, and by his wounds we are healed.